Hello, and welcome to the Keen on Things podcast, the best 30 minutes of sleep in show business. I'm your host, Patrick Keen. Unfortunately, that's not changed. Uh, there's never been a step in or a substitute host or anything like that. You know, Johnny Carson had um, substitutes back in the 80s. I don't know about the 70s, but in the 80s, he had, excuse me, he had people um, sub for him. Burt Reynolds, I think Chevy Chase, <clears throat> um, Jay Leno, and the main one was Gary Shandling, but Shandling, and then Letterman, of course, but Shandling didn't, well, he's like, oh, Letterman, and Letterman had his 12.30 time slot show, and I think networks were looking like, hey, Shandling, you should have one, and he's like, oh, why? Why? I mean, Carson's got his covered. Or, I'm sorry, Carson has one, Letterman has one, and Merv Griffin, I think, was mid-60s or the mid-80s, maybe more of a daytime, I don't know. But Gary Shanling, very futuristic thinking, was like, I'm good. Like, we got it. We got two or three guys with talk show hosts late night. We don't need another one. That was then, when there was two or three. He was like, there's enough. Now there's eight or ten or twelve. It's like, why don't we take a lesson from Shanling? Anyway, um, so Shanling instead of uh, getting his own show, just said, I'll just make a TV show about a talk show and have fun with it, be more creative, be more free verse, free form. And it was great. Um, Larry Sanders. And it was on two different networks and kind of uh, was two different styles because in the 90s, HBO picked it up and that was great. So that was exciting. Really good stuff. Um, And I think... When he did his own show, he's like, hey, he told The Tonight Show, I can't host anymore when Johnny needs somebody. And he just didn't have the time to do both. And he, he said that was really difficult. People are like, well, are you, you know, are you happy with that decision? He's like, no, no. I mean, it's just we're not always happy with every decision. And, and we're not always, like, fully comfortable in hindsight 2020 stuff. And he's like, no, I'm, I'll never be comfortable with that decision. I always thought that was interesting. Um, anyway, that's what this podcast is, is me talking for 30 minutes um joy what a joy um could it be more boring was it boring or is it just no frills it's boring that question that's on a t i put that on a t for like teenagers or simpletons to just be like it's boring it's boring pat but i think it's just no frills you know maybe that it's it's just that it's at zero you know, it's just a, it's the x-axis this podcast is. Not boring, but also not frills. It just is. Because um, the opposite of friendly isn't mean. It's like, he's friendly, he's mean. Those are opposites. The opposite of friendly is just unfriendly. Indifferent. I think I read an article about that years ago about Bill Russell, the basketball player for the Celtics. He didn't like to do autographs, but he'd have a conversation with you. Um you know, on an airplane, an airport, in travel, in route, passing them up, in a restaurant, whatever. Uh, and he'd say, I'm not uh, mean, I'm just not friendly. He's like, there's a difference. I think he said that. But, you know, there's so much hype out there on everything. And this podcast is simple. You know, we reprimand athletes for PED use, steroids. But really, our entire American society is on PED. Zzz. Our news, our movies, our TV shows, Right. Coffee gives us energy and great ideas. 
comedians, are we at fault for coming up with great funny bits because they came to us when we were caffeinated or high or drunk or on drugs, whatever? I've never really needed to go beyond alcohol. Um, and even that's fading, I think. Uh, I try not to do coffee because it messes me up on the, uh, for the next day or two. But, God, it's so good, man. Coffee is just, uh, it's so good. Um, I can't really do anything harder than coffee and alcohol. Those, those, the recovery on those is tough enough. Um, and do I need to detach and do mushrooms in the desert or, you know, uh, acid or um, molly? The time I spent in Montana, Japan, and Korea, between those three places, four years in Montana, two in Japan, one in Korea. So four, that's seven years of my 20s. That's uh, seven years of the 90s. That was a lot of time away from society as I knew it. That's a lot of time. So, and maybe I'm still catching up. I don't know. But that's a lot of time to be in reflection. So I don't know that I need to fill some of those needs, you know. Pe peyote, ayahuasca. I would probably try. I don't like throwing up. Who does? Uh, I know some veterans do it. The ayahuasca, they go down to Mexico, and it really helps. So that's good. Anything that helps them. Uh, I did mushrooms one time in the desert years ago. I was like, is that the Big Dipper or the Little Dipper? And uh, my buddies were like, it's the headlights of your dad's car. Yeah, he's here to pick us up. Um, nice joke. Insert. But no, I did do mushrooms, and they lasted forever. I think it was like four or five hours outside in the back of my truck staring at the sky, the stars. Uh, and I was just like, can this end? It was great, but I was like, can this end? Um point is where are we point is artists do these drugs uh hopefully to create uh you know to use and to escape but also to create the beatles all, all these people did things to enhance right if you're doing it to enhance explore that's one thing if you're doing it to escape uh and you're leaning on it and nothing's coming out of it then then get checked out okay you, you want to uh uh you want it to be fruitful uh, I guess nobody gets physically hurt from an album. If you did drugs and made an album, people can't be da You know, nobody got hurt from that. But people can be damaged from sports using PEDs. When one person is doing PEDs and a competitor is not, there could be trouble, right? And then that person who's doing them is also harming themselves long term. Uh, okay, but back to the point of everything being... Jesus, are we still in the intro here? Back to the point, everything being blown out in this country. You know, the comedy has to be loud or big or crude. Horror movies have to be gory, um, you know, especially in the 80s, the gratuitous, the violence and, and the naked girls. Wasn't objecting then. I'm not objecting, I'm just saying. Okay. But our movies, um, whatever, they're for, but there was still good stuff being made, and there's still now good stuff being made that uh, rises to the top. It finds a way, right? So just stick with quality. God, I saw a great quote by Jim Henson who was just like, don't give in to the dark side, like, Yes, there's so many dark parts of the world, but don't give in to that. You, you got to fight. You got to be good, do good things, like be happy, spread love. Like, it's so easy to get, get it, give in to the negative. Um, anyway, so yeah, our movies nowadays are for the short attention span. Every character, it seems like, is like a prototype or jacked physically, like jacked in ways that people couldn't be in, in the 1900s, right? Plastic surgery and such. Uh, any modesty that a character has is fake modesty. 
you know, you've got some guy in the gym working on machines and exercises and muscles that they didn't have five years ago, ten years ago. But he's playing a character from in a World War II era, and it just doesn't work. It's like, no, they didn't have those muscles even because nobody knew how to work those muscles back then in a gym. Um, plot lines are blown out. Scripts have seven different directions to keep our attention. It's like, oh, you're doing another uh, right. You're doing another ninety degree turn here. Like you had me there shocked, and now you're overdoing it. Like you're going to the well too often. Because we couldn't possibly sit in on one storyline for that long. You know, everyone's tatted up. Everyone's got a pickup truck and has their opinion on every issue. Bumper sticker to the back of their car. News has breaking stories every five minutes. They look into the camera and sigh as if they empathize with the common folk. They act like the world's ending. But by episode's end, everything's fine. You know, comedians giving us the truth. The news is what's giving us entertainment. It's totally flipped. Comedians give us the truth. The news gives us entertainment. Uh, hopefully this podcast uh, is some of that and not the other stuff, not the fluff, not the bells and whistles. Well, there's no bells and whistles. So, um, so yeah, I think just in this format is fine. I need to get probably some guests. I don't know. I really feel open and, and, and unguarded in this format, though. Uh, speaking of scripts, we were just discussing, right, two minutes ago. Right? Um, a shout out to Script Pipeline. Guys, whether you live in Hollywood or anywhere in the world, check out this company and get your script looked at. If you got a script worldwide, I don't know why in my head I always picture Australia. Maybe Australians want to break in, but they love the outback. They don't want to live in huge cities. Um, or writers, maybe a lot of them go to Australia. It's English speaking. It's, it's not crowded. It's fun. Um, I don't know. Get your script looked at with Script Pipeline unless you want to hold it up on a pedestal where it will never be seen, where it will never be punched up. It'll never be critiqued. Okay, with Script Pipeline, with script pipeline not only do you get good seasoned eyes on your script, but they're located in L.A. They're in the heart of it. They're in the shit. They're in the quagmire. They're at neck deep. Not knee deep, not waist deep. It's neck deep. Industry contacts, man. They're, they're down on Wilshire, you know. They're out on Santa Monica Boulevard. They're on Beverly. I don't know where they are now located. Um, they're in Venice. And the rates are very reasonable. I know it's hard to let people see your work, but this is uh, who you want seeing your work, right? They help get you exposure, secure deals, acquire representation, establish relationships, and sell projects. Get connected. Script Pipeline is joined by Film Pipeline. Book Pipeline. What are those? Uh, and Pipeline Artists, a new platform to educate and inspire emerging creatives. Branching out, right? They are the link, you guys. They are the link, believe me. Um, I never wanted to come to Hollywood. I just wanted to be on the periphery and travel and uh, maybe insert work uh, online. And then uh, stand-up got me, man. Got me. Hollywood got me. 20 years. Uh, and I wish something like this existed. I never would have left Korea, the teaching position. But anyway, Script Pipeline is the link. Don't move, need to move to Hollywood to follow this dream. It's the best of both worlds. Chase your dream and do it from home. ScriptPipeline.com. My life. Okay, my life is a disaster zone. Al Pacino in heat says that when he's having coffee with McKenna, McCullough, um, with De Niro. Uh, I remember him saying in an interview years ago, Al Pacino says, I'm about to work. I'm about my job. 
my personal life suffers as a result. It was in print, so I'm, I, I'm not even doing the impression, but uh, I didn't hear him say it. I saw it in print. He says, my personal life suffers. And he just was so unapologetic, just so factual, clinical about it. And I remember that really resonating with me because I was like, I, I don't care about the relationship, unfortunately, or maybe I do. I don't, but I was like, it needs, I, I need to work and make money. And then from there, you can have the joy, you can have the frosting. That made sense to me because it was palpable. And growing up, we had a great house, but it was, it was just chaos, man. It was just chaotic. Um, I don't know that relationships, one-on-one romantic relationships, are they palpable? They're just so messy. I mean, unless both people are just so hardcore suburban bots going through the motions every day without feeling. But, uh, you know, for the lack of love I've given to partners over the years, I should be much more financially sound and successful with how little I've given out emotionally. Um, but success is a funny thing. Successful people usually have hobbies. Like, I know a doctor who restores furniture, plays the violin, and has a vineyard. Right? I'm like, how many of you are there? Like, what the hell is going on over there with you and your cells on that side of this conversation? Like, I don't know. They were also raised with well-structured people that were descendants of, like, success and instruments and money and proper living. Um, they weren't from the, uh, you know, west side of Toledo. Okay. Uh, so I don't draw very well at comedy clubs, you guys. So I'm going to uh, start taking art lessons. Thank you. I like to insert some jokes. But uh, listen, where are we? I, I'm so hot and cold on this podcast but thanks for listening jesus we're almost halfway through okay look i'm overwhelmed baby uh no time no energy just a fog i just i'm just numb you know i just these two reunions wipe me out and now we're going we got a homecoming coming up i got a plan and i'm leading this double life and it's wearing me down baby um but i think i'm getting a handle on it i think i think now that like school's back in sesh it, it's there's a weird uh it's leveled off I was supposed to fly to Arizona Friday night to bring back my mother to spend the rest of summer here. People are like, summer's over. No, it's not. We have another month, and then another month after that of heat. All right? Nature doesn't go by the high school and college curriculum. Right? It's hot into Halloween. Right? Nighttime is nice around then. Um, So I'm going to pick her up and bring her back here for two months. I've got to get to Arizona. She doesn't fly and doesn't really drive the freeway, so I need to fly there to drive her back. It's fantastic. And it's just been a really fun half a century of doing that. So I'm on the plane Friday night, ready to go. I'm like, cool, hour, my brother will be there, pick me up. Boom, we'll drive back to SoCal tomorrow, all good. One hour flight. Boom, there's a monsoon in Phoenix. Delays, delays, delays. It rains there for four, four hours. It rains there for like three hours once a year. And we caught that exact window. So we're delayed no see, and we went back to the gate. And I'd had enough. It was Friday night, you know, a long week, whatever. And I just, I'm like, can I get off and reschedule? And they're like, absolutely. Uh, I'd had it. And they let people get off. And some, some people are like, oh, my God, he's getting off. Um, but they said, yes, they were cool. A few people got off. The ticketing agent told me, he's like, you're smart, man. They're, they're going to be circling. Once they do take off, they're going to be circling over Phoenix for a while. And when they land, they'll be on the runway for a bit. Uh, and I was like, sold. Sold. Uh, drive, drove home Friday night, got a good night's sleep. Going back to Arizona on Wednesday night, gig there Thursday night, um, and then drive back here Friday for the uh, first home football game. 
Uh, airport travel is just blah. And I'll tell you, with delays, people start getting edgy, and I want out of there, right? Especially like Arizona, Vegas, San Francisco, man. Those three, those th- east, north, and then uh, northeast, they're four, four, and six. And you just wonder, like, getting to the airport an hour early, waiting, um, leaving your home. By the time, I mean, you leave home, you get there an hour early, then the flight itself, then getting out of airport craziness, that's four hours right there. So you wonder sometimes, should I just drive and have the car? Um, I did shows in the Bay Area last weekend, three locations in three nights. Great show Friday in the city. Love San Francisco, of course. A little rough the other two nights. The audience has had fun, which matters. But I was all over the place, and it was just too much. They were kind of scattered. They weren't really tuned in. One of the gigs was outside. And I can't phone it in. I can't, like, chill, man. Uh, I need a reaction on stage. If the sound is off or it's a mellow crowd, I still want to fill the room with something. I, like, let's get something out of this. It's like you're, you're helping the second-team offense against the first-team defense. And, yeah, you want your defense to look good, but, like, come on. We're not just going to bend, roll over. So I always wanted to get something out of that. Let's, let's piss somebody off here. Um, and, but, look, you get these crowds where comedy isn't the priority. You know, it's a social event at a golf uh, outing, um, at a bar, at a restaurant, at a corporate. Uh, and you don't have 100% of the audience's attention. You have, say, 70%. And the mic isn't great, and the lights aren't great, and it's at a bar where the crowd didn't know there was going to be a show, and the staff's not behind it, and they're not in your corner. They don't care about the show. They don't even know you perform, so they're charging you for drinks and food. And it's like, you know, I was just up there, and you're not supposed to charge comics, right? I'm going to tip you, obviously. Maybe it's not obvious. And they're like, oh, okay. And it's like, you know, I'm slinging some of the same shit you are here with these rotten people. Um, And so some comics just... They chill, man, and they perform for the people who are listening. And I just can't do that. I need the attention of the entire room, even if it means losing the people who are listening, which is weird. It's as if I'm hurting the ones who love me the most, which is true, which is something we all do. Um, so, yeah, I, was, I might have been doing some yelling uh, for those shows. Um, I think I might be doing too much self-deprecation as well. You know, I saw Bruce Lee quote something about not being too self-deprecating because your body hears that. And, uh, but it does get great laughs. I've got a whole document. I've got a whole document of self-deprecating jokes. I finally put them, I mean, I finally like sat down and wrote them out. There's like 30, man, maybe more. And they're just little jokes I say. If, it, if the crowd doesn't give me all the love that I wanted on a joke or if there's a lull. Um, and it's nice to have. It's nice to have. But it also, if you have something to lean on, then you're not going to go full bore. So I probably should uh, abstain from doing them. Um, but I do need to calm down um, on stage. On stuff like that and sit in the sit in the podcast more sit in the pocket right i heard a great debate today about emmett smith and barry sanders and people say yeah barry sanders was a better running back but you know would he have made it in would he have done that well in dallas with that o-line because part of what made barry great is that he had to do the whole thing on his own 
And so he developed those muscles of like maybe by season two, like, oh, I'm on my own. Um, and would he have been disciplined or would he have jumped out of the pocket? You know what I mean? Because you got to give it that second. I think he's Barry Sanders. He would have been fine with that offensive line. It was incredible. That line that Dallas had and then the Redskins in the 80s was just just a joke. Um, that NFC East, man, was brutal for like freaking 14, 15 years. Because it was the it was the uh, it was the Redskins and Giants, and then later on it was the uh, the Eagles in the early nineties, and then um, the the Cowboys. Cowboys, that Cowboys team, and I, I'm so glad that we finally made it around to football in this podcast. That Cowboys, if Jimmy Johnson stays, I think they win four out of five. They won three out of four without him. I think with him they win three in a row, and then that fourth year, they maybe get big headed, and the Niners catch them, and and make it work. And then they get pissed off, and in year five, come back to win four in five years. And maybe maybe five in six years. I think Jimmy Johnson stays, and I'm glad he didn't, because I'm not a Cowboy fan, and I didn't like him at the time. I like him now a lot. Uh, I think Jimmy Johnson stays. They win. They win five Super Bowls. That's not, that's not crazy to say. That's not craziness. That's just he would have won three more, and they would have won two more. Obviously, they won one with Barry Switzer um, two years after he left. And they almost won the year. I mean, they almost came back against the Niners in that wet, muddy game in San Francisco. Okay. Um, oh God, what am I talking about? So I do need to calm down on that stage. Uh, I don't really make eye contact with the audience, but I also that's because I don't want to get lost in their eyes and all of a sudden my mind is in eight different directions and it's like what joke was I in the middle of so it throws me off um, what I want to say sometimes when uh, if I make eye contact because if I know someone then it's over and it's like oh god or if I see someone's not enjoying or I perceive it as them not enjoying then it's over okay we got eight minutes left I'm not going to finish I mean I am going to finish but we're going to finish well short um I'm better about it in one-on-one communication. I don't know what that means. Eye contact? Christ. You know what's funny is you'll see you'll see some things said on stage, but you won't, I won't post them. Like I'll say things on stage, but won't post them, and then vice versa. Um, I don't know if I have an example of that, but there's jokes where if you just post it in print and it's just one or two sentences, people are going to get the wrong idea because you're not in the moment to explain it, to extrapolate, to, um, you know, you're not in the moment to not get out of it, but just just assuage it into the audience's ears and minds, right? And if it's just posted, somebody stamps that, and it's like, oh, it can be taken out of context. Um, So there are things you'll say on stage that are weirdly even edgier than things you'll print. You think in print, oh, there's no fear, I'll print this. But sometimes on stage, it's easier to work something into people's brains um now some jokes are better as a one-liner as a post if you want to post it online reddit twitter facebook insta uh because you can just let it sit there hang in the air doesn't matter you're not waiting for an audience to respond you post it you move on nobody's looking right um but if you say something on stage that's a little edgy you can read the room explain the bit 
you know, it won't get retweeted or commented on out of context. Because it's like, no, nah, I was there that night. He's then he went on to say this and that and this. Now reporters will just they'll just pull whatever they like and be like, boom, I've got my agenda. I don't care what this person uh, looks like by me posting this. I don't care what happens to his family or his job. You know, they'll just screw you over. Um, but whatever. Look, I feel good on stage coming out of the pandemic, which whatever. Making a lot of jokes about uh, how the pandemic's over or it's not. Just depends on which channel you watch. Like, hey, I don't like this. Okay, turn the turn the channel, man. Oh, okay, cool. Hold hold different existence here. It's so bizarre, right? But I do feel good on stage these days. Um, only in the last year or two am I comfortable now with doing like an hour or so, and I'm fine. An hour used to be so... I remember when I first started, like three months in, I had to do a 15-minute set in Huntington Beach. I was living in L.A., and I was at... Ga- not Gallagher's. It was some Irish place, of course. I had to come down on a Sunday night. I'm thinking the letter F. Fitzpatrick's, maybe? Fitzgerald's? And I had to come down and do 15 minutes, and I was, like, all day just nauseous with nerves. Um, and then for a long time after that, I felt that way about 45 minutes. But what it is, you have the material. You don't have the rhythm of 45 minutes. It's, it's a weird thing. You're like, I've got this material. And then, you know, you do 30, 35, 40, 45, and you're supposed to do an hour because it's corporate or it's a, uh, you know, college. And you're like, Where, why am I missing 15 minutes? Where is it? And then after the show, you're like, oh, my God, what about that bit? Oh, that bit, that joke. Oh, the tag on that, like... Because you're not used to it, it's 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 I don't know like a boxer who's used to, who can go the full 15 rounds, but after round five he's like, what's going on here? I'm I either overtrained, I undertrained, I'm just out of shape. I'm in physical shape, but not fighting shape. That whole thing. Um, so 45 minutes was intimidating for a long time. Um, I mean, there's always crowd work you can resort to, but it's not easy for it to be that great, right? Because uh, that's an art as well kind of its own thing and there are freaking people out there that can do um crowd work and it's just like blows your mind you like this i mean charles fleischer ian bag some of those guys dan davidson some really good stuff um but i don't know there's probably a formula for that so i think i always had the material to do the longer sets but only recently you know i just decided i've got it like what am i what am i intimidated by like what are we waiting for Go be average in front of people. Go suck in front of people. All right? And there's a lot of money in that, right? Kidding. Uh, go be vulnerable in front of people. Go be present in front of people. That's the toughest thing. Because you want to go with your canned stuff and be like, boom, boom, boom. But it's like, no, you have to share the time. You know, Tom Landry was a great coordinator. And Don Coryell of the Chargers, great coordinators. And they used to say, but the problem was uh, there's people. There's the human element. There's a human element you have to uh, you have to explain it to people. You have to motivate them. You have to teach them. You have to be patient. You have to. There's 40 other men that you're dealing with. 40 players and then what nine coaches or something. Um, and that's what I think sometimes my stand-up was. Is look, this stuff's great written, but you got to get it in front of the people. You got to engage it. You got to make it weave it a little bit more into how it relates to them. Right? Uh, Parcells is probably the opposite. And Belichick seems to be pretty perfect. He seems to have a dead on. Parcells and Madden. Well, Madden was pretty great at both. But Parcells seems to be like a player's coach and like uh, 
not quite the X's and O's guy, but, um, you know, just someone that uh, was there. And Lombardi seemed to be both, too. Okay, fascinating podcast on the NFL. Um, I worked with Steve Byrne a couple weeks ago. Really strong, really funny. He's recording another hour either for Hulu or Amazon. I'm not sure. Um, God, I hope to see more of him in the next year or two. But check out his, his – he's got an hour. He's recording an hour, I think, at the end of this month, like I think in two weeks in Nashville. Um, they'll cut that up. That'll probably be ready. What's that, August? That'll probably be ready early 2023. So look for that. He's a beast. He'll go play any room, and he'll step into it, man. He'll get in, into it. Um, he'll be on Rogan at some point. He's buddies with Burr. He's buddies with Vince Vaughn. Those guys love him. Uh, he's only getting better, and, and he's directing and writing stuff too, producing. Um, Steve Byrne Live. I think we're supposed to do a show at Lake Elsinore Baseball Stadium. Um, I had to pass on a show for Homecoming. I was opening for, uh, I can't say his name, but, um, and he's like, hey, man, you're, you're, you're passing on a show for Homecoming? He's like, you better send me a picture of a crown and a cape or whatever people wear. Um, so that'll be funny. That's pretty funny. Okay, show's coming up. Uh, Patty Station. February, uh, September 13th is a Tuesday in San Juan Capistrano, uh, right off the train tracks there. It's called Paddy's, P-A-D-D-Y-S, Paddy's Station. There's a showroom with a stage. We're going to have a good comedy show there at 8 p.m. Um, that's Tuesday, September 13th, I believe, um, in San Juan Capistrano. There's some cruise ship work coming up. I almost got something today that would have taken me out uh, on Wednesday. Sometimes you're like... I got too much stuff going on, but you say yes, but secretly you're like, I kind of hope that doesn't go through because I have all this other stuff. Uh, I'm turning 50 in a month, which will be mind blowing. And I'll probably be talking about that the next few weeks. Are we at 30? Oh my God. We did make it. Okay. Um, I'm turning 50 in a month. It's just, it's, it blows my mind. It's just hanging in the air, like an absolute cloud of accountability and existentialism. I'm just like, Jesus, dude. So, uh, I'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. Subscribe to the podcast, Keen on Things, right? So you know right away when these episodes come out. Follow me, please, on Instagram, Keen of Comedy, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. I think it's Keen of Comedy 8 or something like that, or Patrick Keen 8. Yeah, I put a couple more TikTok videos up. Whatever, I'll leave it. I'll just leave it there. Um, Okay, guys, thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, I'll try to get regular on these, man. Love doing them. Love you.